when you're a kid, you probably played a game called Follow the Leader. And when you played this game, one person would be the leader, and wherever they went, whatever they did, you had to do, right? So if, if they went and they ran through a pile of leaves, you went and you ran through a pile of leaves. And if they hopped up on a, a, a beam and walked across it, you walked across it. And if they jumped around on one foot, then you jumped around on one foot. Whatever they did, wherever they went, you had to do it, right? Uh, in Hollywood, they, uh, there's a, a classic joke. They, they take that idea of follow the leader and they say this. They say, walk this way. And it's a, a little gag that's in tons and tons of movies. I really remembered it best from uh, Young Frankenstein, the Gene Wilder movie. Uh, you got the little guy walking around with his cane. He says, walk this way. And Gene Wilder follows him and he starts to go down the steps. He's like, no, walk this way. And he hands him the little cane and he's got to walk like that. The idea of following someone, though, is you walk in their footsteps. You do what they do. You go where they go. It's not just about ending up where they end up. It's literally you following each and every step. And that's the idea of being a Christian. That's what it means to follow Christ. And that's the main idea that we have here this morning in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Let's go ahead and take a look at that scripture. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. And the word of God says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon the son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, at the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have called out to us, not just to see you, but to follow you, to know you, to be discipled by you, to be with you not for a night, but for a lifetime and then for an eternity. Father, your word is truth. We ask that you sanctify us by your truth. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. The title of our sermon this morning is Follow Me. It's on your bulletin. You already knew that. We got three points about following him. We need to follow him to know him. We need to follow him so that we can be discipled by him. And we need to follow him because he is the only way to eternity. We need to know him. We need to be discipled by him. And he's the only way to eternity. Let's look in particular at verses 35 through 41 again. The next day, again, John was standing uh, with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they, they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they, they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. The first idea here is is that if we want to know him, if we want to really know him, we've got to follow him. And this following is the same as in the introduction. It's this picture of literally going step by step wherever Jesus went. These two who first saw Jesus and followed after him, they were originally one of many. Remember, John the Baptist is is there at the River Jordan. He's baptizing day after day for the repentance of sins, to prepare people's hearts to receive this man, the Messiah. Last week we saw, and it was in terms of time in the Bible, it was the day before, he declared, he called out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He confessed it. Hundreds, if not thousands, heard that confession. They saw exactly who he was speaking of. He was making a declaration for the whole world. No one followed Jesus that day. It's now the second day. Again, Jesus walks by. They all see him. They saw him yesterday. They see him again today. Again, John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the Messiah. This is the King. This is your Savior who you need to know. But none of them made any effort to know him. But these two decide that they want to know him. And so they're invited to follow after him. Actually, in the beginning, they simply choose to follow after him. You know, they want to get to know him, but I mean, this is the king. This is the Messiah. Do we, do we dare? Do we have that right? And so they're really kind of skittish. They're following at, at, at kind of a distance, probably kind of slow. Jesus turns. What do you, what do you seek? Well, what did they seek? They sought to get to know him. So they, they asked this real tentative question. Well, where, where are you staying? You know, we might say something like, well, hey, uh, you want to go get a bite to eat? You wanna, can we go for coffee after this? I mean, if I've said that to one of you, you know for sure I want to get to know you. I want to share something of Christ with you. I want to share something of life with you. Probably most of you in this room have, have heard that from me at some point in time. And if you haven't, it's coming. Okay, I guarantee you, you can only duck it for oh so long. And if Jesus 
wants you to know him, you can only duck that for so long too. The first thing is they had to get close to him. So they, they, they're going to follow after him and they're, they're going to try to spend some time with him. They're the only ones who choose to get closer rather than to behold him at a distance. Brothers, sisters, if you are struggling to know Jesus, to understand him, to believe in Jesus, if you want to really draw close, you have to get closer to him. You're never going to do it at a distance. You have to go after him through his word. You need to daily pick up this word and read it. You need to commit to being taught about Jesus. Sunday school, Wednesday nights. Avail yourself of every opportunity to know more about him. These two became disciples, whereas the hundreds didn't because they got closer. They wanted to know him. They follow after him. That word literally means to walk the same road. They couldn't get direction. Hey, Jesus, where are you staying? And then, well, we'll meet you there. We know a shortcut. We'll meet you there. We know the long way around. We'll meet you there. We're going to go handle some business, and then we'll take a different direction, and we'll get there. They had to walk the exact same road that Jesus went. They had to get as close as to where he lived, even if it was timidly at first. Now, we, we don't just automatically approach Christ boldly, do we? We gain boldness because we know him and because of what he's done. But our, our sin and our shame and the awareness that this is the king, this is the lamb of God, it keeps us in fear. It keeps us scared. And so we can be timid. But look at Jesus' response to him, them. He didn't, he didn't tell them, go clean up your life first. He didn't tell them, go get on some better clothes first. He didn't tell you, well, I got some business to handle. Come back later. I'll meet you tomorrow. No, he says, come on, come with me and I'll show you. To know Jesus, you can't just see him at a distance. You have to get up close and personal. You may be, excuse me. The fact is, for a lot of people, they, they're not going to read the word. Okay? For a lot of people, all the Bible they're ever going to hear is what they hear me speak. They won't even remember the words that I read straight out of the, out of the Bible, but they may remember some phrases that I say. That's true in the church. That's why it's so important that you have a pastor wherever you go who holds to the word. He doesn't add to it. He doesn't take away from it. He teaches what the word teaches. Because... On average, 10 to 20% of the church reads their Bible. Well, what about the world? They're not reading the Bible at all. If they have one, it's on the, it's on the shelf, it's collecting dust, it's in a nightstand, they haven't seen it in years. You, you, maybe all of the Bible, all of Jesus, they ever encounter. That's a, that's a high calling, it's a serious thing, that your life would be like Christ's life. That if we want them to follow Jesus... They would simply follow you. Paul says that, doesn't he? Follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. Can we say that about our own lives? Do we walk the same road that Jesus is walking? Now we need to examine ourselves. At any given time, you could take a picture of any of our lives and you could say, no, that one's not following the same road. That one may not, might not even be a Christian. 
But the fact is that Christ calls us back and, and, and our consciences should be seared by that Holy Spirit, right? He tells us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in us both to will and to do. So if your conscience is seared this morning that somebody might not be able to follow Jesus by following you, let that conscience be seared. Work out that salvation in fear and trembling that that would be your life, a life of, of holiness, a life of commitment, a life of the word. You got to also spend time if you want to get to know Jesus. They didn't just go for coffee and take off. They didn't just go for an afternoon. They went initially to go be with him. It says they went at the 10th hour, right? That's four o'clock, four in the afternoon. They started counting from 6 a.m. So four in the afternoon, they go. That's enough time to go, spend some time, and get back to where they wanted to be. But they stayed. They stayed. They were having a good time. They stayed. They were learning. They stayed. They wanted to be there. So they stayed the night, and they stayed the next day. And ultimately, they stayed the rest of their lives. They followed that exact same road that Jesus followed. It takes time. You will never get to know Jesus well without spending time with him. You have to put time in with Christ over making money. That's a, a constant battle, right? People in our society today, uh, you know, we, we have jobs that, that now they work on Sundays. And so there's a temptation. Well, the boss said I've got to work. And so I, I got to take this job. I, I can tell you for a fact, because I had this experience, if you went to go apply for some kind of a, a management or, or a position at Lowe's, and you tell them, I can't work Sundays, they'll tell you, get out of here. You have to do every other Sunday. So if you want that job, if you want that money, that's the sacrifice you have to make. But if you want to know Jesus better, which is the better thing, then you'll sacrifice that for him, right? It is a sacrifice. It is a hard thing. You have to put time with Christ over time, even with your wife or your children or your grandchildren. That might mean coming to a Bible study, coming to church without them. It might mean missing the kids' Little League games. It might mean in your life, you know, those who are maybe younger with, with families or, or who have kids and grandkids to encourage them. No, there's always going to be Little League games. There's always going to be traveling teams. Those things, they don't matter. They don't matter at all. But eternity matters. The relationship with Christ matters. Put that first. That is the best. That's where you need to invest your time into knowing Jesus, not knowing how to hit the, the, the curveball, not knowing how to hit a, a jump shot. Those things, man, the body goes and those things go. You'll watch somebody else doing it on TV someday, I promise. Because you know what? When we put time with Christ, even over our spouses, You've never heard me tell you to put something over your spouse before. But when you are around them, that time is going to be so much more valuable. You're going to have something of eternal worth to offer them. You're going to be able to share the word with them. You're going to be able to speak straight from what God's word says into their life. You're going to be able to encourage them. You may see them get saved. You may see them come back in a greater way to God. There is no other road to a meaningful relationship with Christ. You must go to him in his word, and you must spend time. There are no shortcuts. It's very much like a marriage. 
If you want to have a good marriage, if you want to have a healthy and a strong marriage, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes years. And it takes proximity. It's very difficult to have a good, solid marriage at a distance. Can it be done? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that it can't. But I'm going to tell you it's not easy. And I'm going to tell you that you're not going to be as strong as those who are, who are together constantly. Spend time. who Spend closeness. Christ gives us marriage. And it is a picture of the gospel. It is a picture of our relationship to him and him to the church. Time and proximity are so key to both. Our second point this morning is that we need to uh, we need to follow him in order to be discipled. So let's take a look at verse forty-one. We we read it twice now already. But that's all right. Y'all bear with me. It says he he first found Simon, or excuse me, he first found his brother Simon and said to him, "We have found the Messiah, which means Christ." And then again in verses forty-five and forty-six. This is now Philip. And he says, uh, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. It all begins with the good news that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he's the king, that he is Lord. We see it with Peter. We see it with Nathanael. No one will ever have a relationship with Christ apart from the knowledge that Christ died for them. And no one is going to become a disciple of Christ without that foundation. We're given this word disciple. We know the Great Commission, right? It says, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. Not just go and make converts, not go give them the gospel and leave them, but go and make disciples, make followers of Christ. Have them follow you as you follow me. Teach them how to do this. And so we have this call to be disciples, and we have this call to be disciple makers. You're not a disciple of Christ if you don't ever share the gospel. Or at least you're, you're not a disciple of Christ in the picture that the Bible gives if you don't share the gospel. We see their pattern, and we need to be the same way. We need to be eagerly looking to share the good news with friends, with neighbors, and to point them to Jesus. We don't have to have all the right answers. We don't have to be elegant. What did they say? They said, come and see. Come and see. Follow me. It's that simple. But it was bold. It wasn't just they happened to run into these guys, right? They were aggressively looking for them. Andrew left, even left Jesus for a second to go find his brother Peter, right? Philip went and found Nathaniel. To bring him. There's an effort, there's an intent, an intent that's in there that, that we need to have. If we're going to be disciples, if we're going to be disciple makers, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed by the word. Take a look at verse 42. It says, He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Simon. Simon walks up to Jesus. 
And Jesus says, you're not Simon anymore. Your name is now Peter. That word Peter means little rock. There's a word play that Jesus is using there. Jesus is the rock. He is the rock that, that Daniel prophesies about, this, this kingdom that would last forever, that's, that's made of stone. He is the, 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 the cornerstone upon which the, the Jews stumbled. He is the rock that we're to build our lives upon, that, that no matter what the storms may bring, we won't be washed away, we won't be put to shame. So the rock, Petra in the Greek, says to this guy, Simon, you are the little rock, Petros, in the Greek. You are a little rock. You're literally a chip off of the old block. Transformation. Jesus Christ, in a minute, gives Peter a new identity. Through salvation, we, in a minute, get a new identity. And we are constantly, by his word, by a relationship with him, we're being transformed. We're being made ourselves to be a little rock, more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are being transformed from glory, that initial glory of receiving him, to glory when we ascend with him into his image. That people would see Christ, that we would see less of ourselves and less of our sins. We would gain these godly disciplines in this character. Being discipled by Christ transforms them first into evangelists, we saw that, right? And being discipled by Christ transforms them into literally chips off the old block. A little rock off of the old rock. You know what it came from, right? Jesus is the, the target for our lives. What should our life look like? It should look like Christ. He's the role model for our lives. The differences uh, between Christians from all walks of life begin to melt away as we become more and more like Christ. We come from different places, different backgrounds, different families, but we change. You know, I, my mother-in-law says, you know, said to my wife and I when we got married, you know, just a warning, people don't change. Well, that's not true. That's not true. People do change. When Christ is the center of our life, we change. We look more and more like Christ. He might use our marriage to do that. He might use tragedy in our lives to do that. He might use the word and his Holy Spirit and our consciences to do that. But he works on us to make us look more and more like the rock. There are all kinds of counterfeits that would help us to change our lives. But at best, they change our behaviors. They'll never change your heart. What happens in the lives of these disciples is true bone-shaking, life-altering change. And it comes only through a relationship with Christ. Discipleship. This idea of teaching people to be more like Christ, to follow in his steps, to be little rocks. It only works with people who believe in Jesus. It begins with evangelism. Always. Discipleship only works with people who are faithful. Many saw Jesus, but these ones followed. They heard he was the Lamb of God, but they weren't changed. They didn't become little rocks. Not yet. Discipleship works with the faithful. Discipleship only works with people who are committed. They didn't just have an interest in Jesus Christ and then go on about their business. No, they, they stayed. 
they stayed. And they were committed to evangelism, and they were committed to following after his life. Discipleship doesn't require skill. It doesn't require talent. You don't have to be a person with tremendous potential. All four of these first four disciples were fishermen. They weren't teachers in the law. They weren't experts. They weren't Pharisees. They weren't Sadducees. They weren't elite. They didn't have coats and ties and and leather shoes. They were fishermen. Wherever you are, wherever you've been, however lowly you might see yourself, if you feel like you can't speak, if you feel like you can't pray, if you feel like you don't know the word well enough, Christ is saying, follow me. Follow me. He calls fishermen. He calls the simple. It is his word that will make us great. It is his word that will empower us. You, you are called to be a disciple of Christ. You are called to be a disciple maker and to teach other people how to follow him and to obey his every command. His word can do that in your life. So next time I come, hey, when can we do coffee? Hey, when can, when can we get together? That's, a, that's an invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I want to know you. I care about you. I want to know if God wouldn't work in your life to make you a disciple and to make you a disciple maker, to transform you from wherever you at to use you in a great way in his kingdom. This is just the beginning for these guys. I mean, these are the apostles. How did they get there? They just followed. They spent time. They were faithful. They were committed. That's it. I mean, golly, he works with some some raw material. And he transforms them into masterpieces, his workmanship. Finally, this morning, we want to see that we need to follow Christ because he's the only way to eternity. Let's look at verses 47 through 51 this morning. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He is the only way to eternity. Look at at Nathaniel's confession here. He says, Rabbi, that refers to Christ being this, this great teacher. He says, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. That's speaking to Christ's deity, that Christ is God. That is true. That is essential. Your Savior is God. If he was not God, the cross doesn't matter. People die every day and not one of them is able to pay for your sins. Not one of them is able to give you perfect righteousness. Not one of them can take you to heaven. His deity is why his death was sufficient for all mankind. But what's really interesting here is that he points to Christ's humanity. Look at what Jesus has to say. 
Verse 50, Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig of the tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on whom? On the Son of Man. This is Christ's humanity. His humanity is why his death was able to be conveyed to us. See, we are fallen men. God came in the likeness of a man to represent us to God. If he didn't become a man, if he did not die, there's no hope for us. Christ died to unite sinners to God and to unite them to each other through the cross. It is the same blood that covers us all. That's why the Bible says there, there now is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. In our lives, that means there's no distinction between a city boy and country folks. There's no distinction. There's no difference between black, white, brown. There's no difference between being a 39-year-old and an 80-something-year-old or being an 8-month-year-old. We all have the same standing before God. We are either covered in his blood or we are not. And we need to be in the business of telling people that Jesus died for them. The most important thing about this, though, is, is beyond his deity, beyond his humanity, is the fact that he is the only way. This goes back to, again, verse 50, and we're going to have to turn somewhere else so that we can have any understanding. Actually, uh, verse 51. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What does that mean? Is Jesus going stretch Armstrong up to heaven and these angels are going to have to climb up and down him? I, it, it's a word picture that to you and I makes no sense. But it did to them. See, these were good Jews who knew their Bible, who certainly knew the book of Genesis, including Genesis chapter 28, which is where I'm going to turn right now. Because this is a direct scripture reference uh, to what God did in Genesis. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 and 11. This is uh, Jacob. Jacob has just fled from his brother Esau because he swindled him, he took his birthright, took uh, his blessing, and now he's running because he's scared. He knows he's done wrong. Genesis 28, verses 10 and 11. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder. In other translations, it says there's a staircase. There's a vertical pathway. Okay, that's the picture. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And we have Jesus in John chapter 1 saying, you, you heard and you believed because I said that I saw you when I couldn't see you. You weren't in eyesight. But I'm telling you, you're going to see greater things than this. You are going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is the ladder. He is the staircase. He is the pathway. He is the only way to heaven. They understood that. Nathaniel understood that. Philip understood that. We need to understand that. There is no other name under heaven 
by which man shall be saved except for Jesus Christ. We studied this morning in Sunday school that not by works, but only by what Christ did. Can we be justified? Can we be declared innocent from our sin? Because humanity's greatest problem is that we are sinners and we have a God who punishes sin. And so by works, we will not see heaven. By works, by our own attempts at righteousness, God will punish us for our sin. But he loves us. And he made a way. This man, Jesus Christ, who is Jacob's ladder, who is the stairway to heaven. It's a lot more than a cool Led Zeppelin song. He is the only way. And so God sent him to pay for our sins. That if we would receive him by faith, not go grab him, not work for it, not run a mile, but receive him and follow him. We will follow him all the way to heaven. And so this, this passage is all about following in Christ's footsteps. We have got to follow him, to know him. We've got to get close to him. We've got to spend time with him. We have to follow him to become a disciple in evangelism. In becoming a little rock, just like the great rock, who is our foundation. And we've got to follow him to have eternity. There's no other way. There are no shortcuts. You don't get a rendezvous. You have to walk as Christ walked in the exact same road.